If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Strictly Sports. I am Jacob Brown. Today, oh wait, wait, hold on. All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. I am Jacob Brown, joined here with Steve Cashin and CJ Uri. We are going to talk about FAU football today, the NFL, NBA Finals, and a little bit of NHL free agency talk. Uh, if you want to hear us talk more about hockey and baseball, we already we just released Strictly Baseball this morning. It's already out on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can listen to us talk about baseball there. Hockey, probably going to come out tomorrow or Thursday, whatever day we can do it. Um, so we got to talk about FAU football here, guys, because they've really been pretty irresponsible with their handling of COVID-19 so far. They've had one of the largest series of outbreaks in college football. They've been postponed three times because of this issue. And you would have thought last week they were postponed because of the hurricane. No, no, no. It's because FAU tested too many times positive. So I know we have some knowledge that some stuff's going on. CJ, you're uh, privy to that information. Uh, I know you're, you're aware that some things are going on off campus. Uh, wh- what is your view on the situation? Because I think it's a pretty uh, – it has not been a, a good job by FAU so far on their handling of COVID. Um, yeah, I mean, when you've got a bunch of – when you've got the majority, I would say 90% of the teams across the country that are playing right now aren't, aren't or have not been – affected by um a crazy amount of tests and the tests that you've seen for the most part have been really small amounts of cases now i haven't been in boca in a while but from what i hear from my friends that are down there are they see some of the guys go out at bars and whatnot and you know i think a lot of my frustration stems with the fact that there are uh you know guys on this team that are trying to make a name for themselves and set them up for a, for a good senior year or to be able to go to the league, whenever, whenever that may be. And Diamante Howard, uh, hopefully I said his first name right. I think I did um, posted on Twitter or something like this, you know, this is not good. Like I'm the only one in college in my family and I, you know, I need to feed my family eventually. And, you know, it just, it sucks to hear, that, you know, guys like that that are trying their very best to get to the league um, aren't even going to have the chance because they're just not playing games. And, you know, I, I haven't seen from my own two eyes, you know, players going out and partying. But from what I've heard from girls and from what I've heard from guys is, you know, they're out and they're doing their thing. And it just sucks for the guys that are trying their best to get the season going. So that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, it's disappointing for sure. While um, you said, like, everyone else in the country is playing right now. And <clears throat> the dynamic of these other schools is they, they got, you know, I think it kind of contributes to where these guys are living too. Um, I was talking to Jake about this on briefly in our baseball podcast, but like, if you look at Clemson, Florida, Florida state, these bigger schools are living, they have these sections, they have parts of the campus sectioned off for the football team. So it's like a mini bubble in a way where these guys are hanging out with each other. They go to practice, they eat together everything's 
kind of isolated from the general population. Then you look at FAU, they're going to the same dining halls as everyone else's. You're, li- you're kind of mixed in, integrated with uh, normal dorms and apartments. So, and guys are going out on top of it. So the, the thing that kind of, you know, ticks me off is the discipline of the program. Like why Willie Taggart's got to just kind of lay his foot down or someone's got to like lay the law and be like, listen, you all go out, you're suspended. We're going to suspend you indefinitely for a week or so, whatever it is, just some sort of accountability needs to be set in the program while this is going on, because it's frustrating as a fan, as a student, I'm sure the players that really want to get there are pissed themselves because that, you know, this is their livelihood. This is what they work their whole lives for. And, and they're getting the opportunity taken away from them. Everyone else is following the rules, getting by, and we're the one program of, of the few that just can't seem to figure it out. So something's got to change. Or you said in the group chat the other day, Siege, uh, we're not going to see FAU in the field the rest of the year. Uh, I really don't see how it's going to happen. Wow. We're running out of time. You just don't have enough weeks in the college football season to, to keep re- rescheduling four or five football games. So we'll see what happens here. I couldn't agree with you guys more. I think we touched all the bases there. They just have to recover now. That's the thing. And if they are going to play another game, they have to handle – it's called crisis management. You have to handle it. They have to get back, come back stronger. Hopefully they do. Um, But I mean, at the end of the day, these are college students. And I'm not going to sit here and and say that, you know, they're terrible people for trying to live their lives. I mean, it gets to a point where, you know, we've been in doing quarantine lockdown type stuff, social distancing since March – and some people just want to see their friends and I understand it completely. Um, you know, you know, us three have the luxury of, you know, we're not playing for a football team, but you know, at some point you have to respect the people around you. And if from what I'm being told is correct, which I could be fed off false information, but I know for a fact that most of my friends and girlfriends are diehard FA football fans. They know who's on the football team and who's not. Um, you know, if you're going out and bringing it back into your FAU football little bubble, uh, that's not very respectful to everybody else. I, I totally agree. They got to get it together, period. And uh, so we can move on to the NFL now. So week five, it's rare on a Tuesday that week five is not over uh, because they're playing on a Tuesday night. Tonight we got Bills, Titans, but we'll review the rest of the week. So the Bears did beat the Bucks 20 to 19 on Thursday. CJ, you called it. You said the Bears win. You got that one right. By the way, have to call this out. Adiel, every time I've asked him to come on, he says he's got meetings. So I don't know what he's doing. I think he might be dodging us a little bit, CJ, you think? Absolutely dodging. <laughs> Reflecting, dodging. He would. I, I, I guarantee you right now, I'll tell everybody right now, I guarantee you he would be on this show if Tom Brady and the Bucks won. That's a great point. He absolutely he, would be. He hides. He hides. I, I guarantee you that I wouldn't hear a peep from him if they went on a multiple game losing streak, which I don't see a Tom Brady led team doing. But the second that they win one game, he'll be back and saying that, well, the Bucs, the Tom Brady's to go. The Bucs are back. I need, I, in, in their group chat with Jacob, he, he was basically making it seem like uh, I, I'm like, a nobody and any, anything that I ever said was false. <laughs> Sum this up really quick. I walked into FAU Owl Radio for one of my first times and told Adiel and shook his hand at Tom Brady. Not only would he not win the Super Bowl, he wouldn't even win a single game in the playoffs. And I was right. 
and he doesn't want to give me credit for it because he's embarrassed. And now he's a Bucks fan, so shows the audience who this man really is. Oh yeah, yeah. No, his, his quote is, uh, "It's your claim to fame that you got that pick right." He, yeah, he my claims claim it's a to lucky fame. pick. Jacob, please, Jacob, please tell me, t- tell me how many times I've spoken about my claim to fame since it happened. <laughs> hey, he always brings it up. I'll say that. Me? No, no, no. Adiel does. No, but what I'm saying is, how many times have I brought it up? No, I, you don't. He always brings it up none, first. Ever? I don't ever bring it up. Yeah, like, no, it's ever. always him. Oh my god. He makes it the claim to fame. <laughs> Oh man! Hey, whenever he comes on, it's going to be a fun one. Let's just say that. But and just uh, for everybody to know, Adiel is uh, our supervisor over at uh, our radio. The yes, only and by the way, and by the way, he's great. He's this acting, is all, in, huh? He's, he's acting like a college kid. Ah eh, well, hey, he's he's uh, he, this is all in good fun, nonetheless. So we all just mess with each other. It's all in good fun, but. Uh, Adiel's yeah, yeah. been great to all of us as well, but uh, just can't wait for him to come on the show. Maybe he's dodging. We're just calling him out a little bit. We got to make it public. Uh, so we got other games here. We got Giants, Cowboys. Man, this one's depressing. Uh, Dak Prescott, <laughs> I'm sure everyone's seen it. His ankle, you know, just turning in the other direction. It was pretty gross. Uh, I feel terrible for him. He's probably going to miss the rest of the year, if not parts of next year. The Cowboys record was already kind of down there. They got a pretty mediocre schedule ahead, but without Dak, now it's like, I don't know if you can win some of those borderline games. The Eagles look a little bit better, even though they lost to Pittsburgh. They still beat San Francisco the week before, although if you look at the San Francisco win, Miami just beat them by 30, and no offense, CJ, they should not have lost by that much to the Dolphins. So 49ers are not the team they were last year, maybe not as impressive a win. But back to the main point, I don't know if the Cowboys – can win this division i don't know i mean if they don't win the division they're clearly not making the playoffs I think they will. but what i think the cowboys will win the division and i think they'll win it handily uh when something like this happens with your football team a Dak prescott who's a leader uh in that locker room if not the most influential leader from what i understand um you rally around a guy that this this stuff's happened to and unfortunately for Dak, in summertime his uh one of his uh brothers committed uh suicide and that was unbelievably sad. Um, you saw the team rally around him. Then he played like an absolute warrior the past few weeks. He's been the league, one of the league's best quarterbacks, regardless of the record. His offense has done doesn't just fine. And then this happens to the guy. You see him crying off the field. I'm not a Cowboys fan. I despise the Cowboys, but I think they're going to go on and win this division handily, and they're going to rally around uh, this this incident, this this situation. Um, and to be honest. Um, I think Andy Dalton looked great. I think he was uh, 10 for 12 or, or 9 for 11 or 10 for 11 for 112 yards, if if you will, and a huge throw to, to help them win the game. And Andy Dalton, people forget. I mean, he might have played for the Bengals, but the guy averaged 10 wins for uh, a season for his first five years of his career. That was a perennial court, uh, playoff quarterback. And I know they couldn't get over the hump, but, I mean, if you're Andy Dalton, this is the, you know, this is the situation you want to be in. You don't want it to have happened the way it happened, but you get the keys to arguably the nation's best offense. I mean, they've got the most tools. Zeke, CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Gallup, the list goes on. So I think the Cowboys are going to rally around this, and I think they're going to win the division handily. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said there. I mean, uh, I was going to make the point there with Dalton. Um, I think now you have the window to simplify things if you're the Cowboys. 
Um, sounds crazy, but maybe start running the ball a bit more. You know, keep that defense off the field because they've been giving up a lot of points. They've been, I think they've averaged almost – see, they got gave up 34, 49, 38, and they've given up over 30 points all but the first game against the Rams. They gave up 20 and lost. But now you look at it, simplify the game, give Dalton easy throws, give Zeke the ball, keep that defense off the field, and maybe that, that'll be the recipe for success here. We're now – can limit the defense from being out there. And Dalton was a he, – he took the Bengals to the playoffs. It was every year. They just couldn't get over that first round, whatever was going on over there in Cincinnati. So, this guy's been in the league a long time. He's a veteran. He knows how to handle these situations. And it sucks to see Dak go down like that. Such a great guy. And it's just unfortunate. But he'll be – I believe he'll be back even stronger. I'd give him something to look forward to and work at. I'm sure he wants to be back out there tomorrow if he could. But – um, this Cowboys team will, I think, will bounce back from this adversity and will ultimately win the division. I don't see anyone else being able to overtake them. I get the Eagles will be the next closest team. The Giants are done. The Washington football team is mediocre. So it's going to be a two-headed race with the Cowboys and the and the Eagles. Yeah, I think you just got to break it down and look at the schedules. I mean, Dallas is going to play Arizona at home, Washington on the road, then Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Washington again, then Baltimore, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philly again, Giant. That's not that bad. You have a few losses in there for sure, but most of those probably could still be wins. And you bring up a good point. Maybe they do change the offense here, but you also have to ask yourself, Mike McCarthy's got to kind of change his creativity levels a little bit. That's been his criticism as a head coach. It's kind of a basic offensive coach. So he's going to have to really demonstrate that he can innovate here uh, not having a, a quarterback that he can rely on. Because, listen, he always knew he had Rodgers to rely on for yards. He knows he has Dak to rely on for yards. Now he might have to go to a little bit more of a running game. And, look, San Francisco, that was their offense last year. Jimmy G in the playoffs barely threw. It was a total run offense. The Cowboys have Zeke, so it could happen. Um, so, yeah, maybe yeah, the Cowboys I mean, can rally here. I wouldn't – I mean, look, Aaron Jones is great, but he's more of a dynamic back that does it all. I would say that Zeke, Zeke on his day is arguably the best in between the tackles running back in the league. I mean, the guy can literally drive your offense. Now, he's got a more than capable quarterback there, and he's got more than capable wide receivers. I'm talking pro bowl level wide receivers, Gallup, Lamb, Cooper. I don't know if there's a better receiving corp in the league, and you can pair that with Zeke. So all I'm saying is, is, to be honest, this is this team is in a crappy division, and it's just going to be where Mike McCarthy takes them. Completely agreed. So we got Panthers beating the Falcons 23-16. Dan Quinn finally fired. Just like uh, uh, – what's his name? Uh, the Texans had go. Bill O'Brien. Yeah, good riddance. Got to get him out of there. Should have happened a while ago. Panthers, though, you know, uh, I, I got to say, Colin Coward called it. He said they would be a, a surprise 500-ish team. Teddy Bridgewater is great, and I personally think – He's a top 10 quarterback. So you got Raiders beating the Chiefs 40 to 32. Listen, that's going to happen sometimes with the Chiefs. They can't win every game. Calm down, people. They're going to be fine. They still scored 32. Cardinals beat the Jets 30 to 10. That should happen. Uh, Steelers beat the Eagles 38 to 29. Kind of expected. Rams beat Washington. Baltimore beat Cincinnati. Houston got their first win of the year beating Jacksonville. Uh, Miami beat the crap out of San Francisco. And CJ, I know you're going to want to talk about this one. What were your opinions on that Dolphins-Niners game? 
Um, look, I mean, there, there, I'm sure that there are some casual, um, not, I wouldn't say casual NFL fans, but NFL fans that don't really pay too much attention to parts of the league. And I would say the Dolphins are in a part of the league that isn't something that necessarily interests a person that um, really only pays attention to their, their team. Um, the Dolphins have a really good defense, and I don't think people realize it. They spent a lot of money in their secondary. They have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones on opposite sides of the field. Um, Nick Needham, Eric Rowe, those are guys that can play safety, cornerback. Dude, they, they're, they're loaded on that defense. The D-line looks amazing. The interior is filled with um, highly touted draft picks from college. Raquan Davis from Alabama. Christian Wilkins, first-rounder from Clemson, who I know Cash knows. Um, you know, the list goes on. Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson was a Clemson, was a Clemson Tiger too, right? I mean, dude, yep. the, the list goes on. And then you go to the linebacking core. You got Jerome Baker from Ohio State, Andrew Van Ginkle from Wisconsin. These are guys that they've got. Oh, and then Cal Van Noy from the, from the New England Patriots. These are guys that come from, foot, like, high-degree fo football pedigrees. And, and, you know, and some of them are on just huge contracts. And they've put a lot of uh, effort into this defense. So I didn't, I didn't expect anything less for them to go in there and completely thwart the San Francisco 49ers offense, which let's be real, has never really been that electric. I mean, right. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't make the crazy throws. He, he's just a conservative quarterback. He's not going to lose you the game. He reminds me a lot of a Chad Pennington. He'll make the short throws. He'll make a couple clutch throws to get you down the field, but he's not the guy that's going to throw the deep ball. He's not the guy that's going to scramble out of the pocket and, make, and, and suck the air out of a defense. And that's, you know, the Dolphins got to him. They put him on his ass or sorry, put him on his butt. And, um, he was benched by halftime and look, Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing it again. He's doing the three or four game spurt that he has every year where he becomes an absolute God. And this is three weeks in a row that he's looked unbelievably good um, behind center. And he's, his passer rating is through the roof. He's getting the ball in the end zone. He's targeting, he's spreading the ball around. He threw touchdowns to three different receivers and, you know, Gaskin has been great and the unsung hero on the Dolphins were, I shouldn't say unsung here, but the Miami Dolphins have a top 10 O-line right now. That's the first time in years that, that I'm able to say that. So uh, not to go too far into this, but I don't think it was much of a surprise to me, and I don't think it was a fluke. And I decided to go through the Dolphins' schedule last night, and I can say this for the end of the show, but I really do think that there's, there's a chance to, to squeak into the playoffs here because the hardest part of the schedule is behind us. We played Bills, Patriots, Niners, Seahawks, four out of our first five teams. That's a crazy schedule. Now we're going to go play the Jets a couple times. We play the Bengals. Um, there's no reason why this Dolphin team can't surprise everybody and potentially get into that wild card. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Dolphins, especially in the AFC too, where, you know, it's not as deep as the NFC. Uh, although I, I, I think the playoff teams are kind of cemented, to be honest with you, in the AFC, uh, because I think both Pittsburgh and Cleveland make it as wild cards. And then there's one more wild card spot. And I think that goes to either the Titans or the Colts, the loser of the AFC South. Uh, so I think you'd have to have either the Browns falter, which we'll get into that game now. The Browns are not going to falter. Uh, they are, what is it, four and one, and they just beat the Colts. People aren't going to overhype this, but they should. The Colts have the number one defense in every single category going into this week, and they scored 32 on them. They beat the crap out of Dallas's defense, which everyone's like, oh, they're going to do that. That's Dallas's defense. But now you play Indy's defense with their linebackers, uh, Malik Hooker at safety. 
And, you know, they have a top 10 offensive line. Phillip Rivers was completing 75% of his passes. And the Browns walk in there and they win the game. I don't think they're missing the playoffs. And then you're telling me the Steelers at 5-0 and are going to miss? I don't think so. And then, again, Colts-Titans are going to be so tight at the, at the top of the AFC South. I think both end up with 9-10-11 wins. So, again, I think the Dolphins would have to really hope for one of those teams to falter. Yeah, and the, I'm looking at the Browns' schedule right now. They have upcoming, obviously, they have the Steelers this week. They have the Bengals, Texans, Jags, Giants, Jets, and yeah. So there's a lot the of wins in there. Wins, I mean, it's a lot of win, uh, some potential wins in there. You never know if they could beat the Steelers again or whatever, whatnot. So we'll see. I mean, I don't think that it's a guarantee. I think the Dolphins have a. I mean, they've looked really good the last couple of weeks, and they. Look at it. They've lost some really tight games. The Seahawks game, they, that easily could have gone their way. If they convert those field goals to the touchdowns in the red zone, they win that game. Simple as that. And then come to another game that was really close. Um, who do they play week one, CJ? Um, who are you, Buffalo? Who are you talking about? Sorry. Oh, Buff, the Buffalo game was, was tight, too. So that game, who, who, I mean, it could have gone their way. The, which team are you talking about? Sorry. I'm talking about the Dolphins. Week one, they played. No, we played the Patriots. Okay, oh yeah. Man. So they played. But that they game played was some close games. too. It was a one-score yeah. game up until the last three minutes of the game. All I was exactly. saying is that the hardest part of their schedule is gone for a while right. now. At the end of the year, we do get the Chiefs and the Bills, and that's going to be tough. But there's, I, in my lifetime, I, I don't think it's happened more than once that the Dolphins have lost both games to the Bills and both games to the Patriots in the same season. That doesn't happen. The Dolphins always split with the Patriots, and they always split with the Bills. It's a good point. So, you know, I, I don't want to make the show Dolphin-centered, but I think it would be really good if we did preview a little bit more of that AFC at some point because I think it's going to come down to the wire. Now, the Browns have to play this, like like Steven said, the Browns have to play the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Bengals, which the Bengals aren't a bad team. They, they, they give people problems. They took Carson Wentz all the way to, like, all they took overtime and tied. And yeah, like, you know, anyway, Steve, continue. But yeah, no, that's, I think the Browns, I've been a hater for them. I, I, I just not a fan of Baker Mayfield, even though I don't hate the guy, but I just think he's always, I mean, obviously he's always on the run when he's throwing the ball. I think eventually if guys figure out how to contain him in the pocket, which defenses have, he can't throw the ball when he drops back and, and he's staying still. So, but that Browns team has shown that legit. This weekend's a big, it's a big test for them against the Steelers. If they come out and shoot and, and play a tight game, even if they lose by let's say seven, some seven or less, and they play a good ball game, then I think we have to take them in consideration. But I'm not too sold on them yet. It's only week five, long way to go. Um, if I was, if I was going on a trend, I think the, the Browns finish eight and eight. All right, we'll five. see. I mean. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, like the, the Colts win's good, but you're right. They need a better win than that. I just think, you know, you go up against the number one defense in every yeah. category and you'd score 32. It's a big thing, but you're right about Baker. He's incredibly limited. Last year, he had the worst QBR, not under pressure, which I think it was in the 60s. So, you know, he, he's got a long way to go before we can definitely say, especially because of their organizational problems, that they're definitely going to make the playoffs. So, you know, well, th that's why they play 17 weeks. I will tell you, uh, to wrap up the Browns thing, 
they hit, I think they did the right thing with the head coach. They finally have a coach that is uh, not a high school level coach. <laughs> and Odell Beckham Jr. said um, that he, this is the happiest he's been since getting to Cleveland. So you got good times in the locker room and Baker Mayfield slinging the ball. You never know what's going to happen. But anyway, did you guys watch Russell Wilson on Sunday night? Hey, Mr. Unlimited. Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> He's my MVP, bro. He's my MVP. That guy's unbelievable. There is no reason why he is not in the conversation with a Pat Mahomes. I don't get it. Like, like Patrick Mahomes is clearly the number one quarterback in the league, but there's no way in hell that you can tell me that Russell Wilson is not number two. It, it, he, it, I completely agree. There's no way he's lower than that. It's Mahomes and Wilson and everyone else. Yeah, Absolutely. I, to, I, I, totally I would agree. say Mahomes, Wilson, Rogers, Lamar. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to watch that game. I was watching uh, the Rays and Astros, but I was checking on the scores, and uh, Minnesota was kind of carrying the play there in the first half, and then I checked the score again. Again, Wilson had that great game-winning touchdown drive, and to get him ahead 27 26 but that guy is unreal i the games i've watched him play against the patriots uh this year that's the one game i watched uh throughout but he just makes things happen you know watching pat mahomes this sunday against the raiders he they were down by 20 and he gets them all the way in down eight with a chance to win so him and russell wilson are kind of built the same where they they just make things happen out of nowhere and just you can't count them out until the, the clock hit triple zeros so um just unreal talent. I think he is the pick for MVP right now because everyone is – no one was talking about him in the last couple of years. Like, he just disappeared out of, off the face of the earth, and now all of a sudden we're seeing what he's been doing his whole career. So, and this is one of the best teams in the league. I think they're the best team in the NFC right now, along with the Packers. And I don't think – I don't know how anyone's going to stop this guy from from rolling. I mean, I, I was sitting out watching that the, the, the final drive with my roommates in the dorm here, and I, I said – I was like – you give Russell Wilson a full two minutes in the fourth quarter on a final drive, he's going to win the game. They went on fourth and 10. I told my roommates, I'm like, he's going to get the first down. He got the first down. I didn't waver at all in confidence with him. He has the most comeback wins in the NFL over the last number of years. I, I had no word. Like, it's just weird how you go into a fourth quarter final drive like that. I had 100% confidence that they were going to pull off the touchdown there. So, but that, that tells you the type of quarterback that he is. Well, yeah, Saints, you knew, but you knew after those couple scrambles, you knew what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, no, like he the was. Vikings had them on third and long, and then a fourth and long, and you just knew there was never in doubt. And like you know, last night when I when I watched the Saints, um, first of all, the Saints are beyond lucky. All right, and I would like to reserve a couple <laughs> minutes to talk about how Justin Herbert, I was. Oh. I was, I don't, I don't remember. I, I'm pretty sure I was very wrong about him, but regardless, I watched the game last night with the, with the saints and, and then I watched on Sunday night, Russell Wilson, and you see that Russ, not it's, it's incredible to watch when, when they, when they put the camera behind the play and you can see what the quarterback is seeing, but behind him. So you see his back. Russell Wilson is so good that he, not only is he making his reads downfield, He's making his reads of the O-line. So when the O-line creates space, not only is he making his reads downfield, he's creating, he, he's, he's watching to see when the O-line makes space because he'll beat you on his, on his running 
his running prowess and his also his his throwing down the field. There were so many times that I felt like Drew Brees, you could have extended that play by just scrambling from the pocket forward five or six yards and make the defense respect your respect your legs and say, all right, well, Drew actually might tuck it and run for six yards here. I might need to stay here, spy, and then hey, that might free up Jared Cook. Anyway, regardless, it just shows how good, how unbelievably good Russell Wilson is because he is a throw, he's a passing first quarterback, but his running is not that far back. And that's just it's it's really a pleasure to watch. Anyway, uh, what were your guys' thoughts last night on Justin Herbert in in general? If you could compare him to Joe Burrow so far, because I think that there's a there's a real case for Justin for Justin Herbert right now to be like, you know what, I, I have a I have a stake at Rookie of the Year. Honestly, I think he's uh, he's right there with Joe Burrow. I think uh, listen, he was great at Oregon in the Pac-12 not really an offensive conference. He was one of the standout quarterbacks. Listen, he, he's been fantastic for the Chargers so far. You see him pulling it close with the Chiefs in a game that he didn't even know he was going to start until very shortly before. And now he's confirmed as the starter because he's been playing so well. But you look at Burrow over there in Cincinnati, he's kept them in game. I mean, a lot of people thought Cincinnati would be winless, that they wouldn't even be in games even with Burrow. I was one of those people. And now you can't just walk into a Bengals game and say, yep, we're going to win. So both have really been fantastic and really, I think, have exceeded team expectations so far. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think, Steve? I love what Justin Herbert's been doing. I mean, he – I wasn't a believer out of Oregon because I watched that Rose Bowl game against Wisconsin thinking, oh, this guy can't throw the ball in the pocket. I don't know what happened in the offseason, but I, I think he really refined and worked on dropping back, staying centered in that pocket and throwing, picking guys out. Because he did it against Tampa, and I, that was my first going of moment of like, oh, wow, this guy this guy is going to be legit. He was picking that secondary apart for Tampa and was finding guys 20, 30, 40, had a 50-yard reception downfield. And he has the ability to, to scramble out of the pocket, but it's not that it's uncontrollable. He's smooth. He, he sits in the pocket as long as he can. But once it starts sliding, he, he slides to the left or right and finds a way to scramble for 10, 12 yards. The guy's tough as nails. I think he's a better team than Joe Burrow does right now. But I don't know. Those two are on the same level. They're competitors. They want to win at everything they do and give those guys some more talent. I think if you give Joe Burrow some more talent on that Bengals side, dude, the sky's the limit for that guy. Same with Herbert. You give him a couple more pieces that he already has with that offense, Mike Williams. Um, Henry Eckler's out right now so just th those guys are gonna be generational talents for years to come and it's, it's been fun to watch them so far absolutely absolutely so we well, got some that play though that he made where he the, the the Saints brought the house and he stepped out of it and then rolled right and made that throw to Keenan Allen who made a great grab but that hmm. throw was a very good throw it, I wouldn't say it was on the money but it was in his it was in a spot where Keenan Allen will for sure make the catch and the cornerback overran Keenan Allen. That play right there has to have Chargers fans excited. Oh yeah. I mean that he put in a one spot where only Keenan Allen can get there and he just, he's making plays happen and it's, it's for a rookie to do that. He's composed and it's, it's really impressive. And that's the way the league's turning now too, where you've got to have, you got to be mobile and have the arm. He's got both. And so does Burrow. So They've got those dual threat quarterbacks. That's what you want. 
So we got NFL games coming up this week. We got Bills Titans tonight. I think I've got Buffalo in this game. I like them to go five and zero here. Titans have a lot of people. They've had COVID, the whole thing. So I think Bills probably have the advantage. Let's preview the games in the NFL for Week Six. So we got Washington Giants, Washington Texans, Titans, Titans probably. Although COVID could be concerned there. Uh, Bengals Colts probably Colts. Falcons Vikings. Uh, that's kind of uh, two bad teams right there. I think Vikings. Minnesota they'll be the home. Actually, team. I don't know. The the Vikings are benching uh, Dalvin Cook this week. Oh, okay. So hey, Atlanta might get their first win. Although it will be a new head coach, so we'll see. Denver and Patriots. It'll be Patriots. Ravens Eagles. It'll be Ravens. Brown Steelers. So they got the line at Pittsburgh minus three and a half. Steelers are the home team. They have fans in their stadium, so they have advantage. I think Steelers win this game. What about you guys? I like the Steelers. I like their defense. Uh, they're finding ways to win. Uh, I, I don't know. I just like the Steelers so far. They, they, they've looked solid. I, there hasn't been one game where I've kind of questioned their ability to score on offense and their defense to be in turnover. So I like the Steelers in this one. Um, hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, here's – I'm going to take the Browns here, and I'm going to take the, the Browns points. I don't – I don't necessarily – actually, I'll take the Browns to win the game, and here's why. I don't really like the way Ben Roethlisberger is throwing the football, and I'm not the biggest believer in the Steelers' offense right now. Sure, the defense is good, but the Browns' defense has a lot of studs on it as well, and Baker Mayfield's actually slinging it. Um, and I think that if the Browns make this game have to be a shootout over four quarters or, or, or like a halfway shootout, I don't know if big Ben has it in him yet, uh, or has been in a game where he needs to do that. So yeah, the Eagles put up a fight, but I never really felt like the Eagles were going to be too dangerous enough to put a lot of pressure on big Ben getting back on the field. So I'm going to take the Browns. I, that's a good – hey, I like that pick there. I mean, it really – it could happen. So we got Bears-Panthers, lines at minus two-and-a-half Panthers. Uh, Chicago. I got Chicago on the road win here. Uh, any uh, differences there? I no, like sir. Carolina. Bears are frauds. Uh, <laughs> oh, Bears God. Are frauds. Hey, Bucks fan here. Sore lose. Okay, anyway, Lions-Jags. I've got Lions, uh, Jets-Dolphins, Dolphins, Packers-Bucks. Packers line, they're minus one and a half on the road. Bucks have fans in their stadium. I've got Packers here. Yeah, I don't know. That game could be – it could go one of two ways. Uh, I, I think the Packers ultimately win this game, but I just have so many questions about the secondary. And uh, if, they, if, the, if the Bucks can get their offensive pieces back, fully healthy, Godwin, Evans, that too. Fournette, then it could be a different ball game. But right now, if those guys aren't back, I'm taking – uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing inspiring football right now. The offense looks good. Um, seems to be good times right now in Green Bay. They're coming off of a uh, coming off of a bye week. They're 4-0. I don't know. There's probably a really good stat of Aaron Rodgers' record coming off of a bye week. So I'll take uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yep, so we got that pick in there. And by the way, too, top – uh, five off uh, defense for the Bucks uh, on the uh, D line and total, I believe, top five. They're second against the run, top 10 O line, but they need those guys healthy. So it, it's going to be a close game either way. Brady versus Rodgers will be fun. That'll be uh, the, the game of the week on Fox, by the way. Sunday Night Football, Rams, Niners. I got Rams. 
probably no deviations there from you guys. So now we're going to move on to the NBA Finals. So the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA Finals a few nights ago. And I'm going to check the score here. I should have the score prepared, but they won 106 to 93, won the series four games to two. LeBron James got NBA Finals MVP. So what does this mean in the grand scheme of things? Because that's all anyone cares about anyway. So first of all, kudos to the Miami Heat. They got farther than anyone thought they would. Fantastic job. Jimmy Butler's legit. I'd take him over Paul George. And quite frankly, I take him over a lot of all-stars that maybe before the playoffs, I wouldn't have said I'd take him over. He's been incredibly impressive. They have so many young players, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, and others. They've got so many. Got Bam, he's been amazing. They got veteran support from Drogic, from Igadala, from Crowder. I mean, this team has been it, – it was really just a nuclear team. They were together. They played together, and it was team basketball. You love to see it. And I think, in my opinion, they should wait – don't sign Oladipo. You don't need him. I mean, Tyler Hero is your future at shooting guard. You don't need Oladipo. Wait for Giannis next year. I think it's a legitimate possibility. And if not him, some other superstar, because if they get another star, I mean, do, they could have a big three, big four. The, the future is is there for the Miami Heat. But as for the Los Angeles, I guess actually before we go to the Lakers, let's talk about the Heat. What is your uh, – CJ, we'll start with you. Obviously, you're the Heat fan. What's your view on the Heat, their season, how they performed in the finals, all that? Look, I mean, it's been it's been a while since we got back to the promised land. Miami Heat organization has always prided themselves on getting far in the playoffs and getting to these championship moments, uh, whether it be Eastern Conference Finals, whether it be the finals. Uh, Pat Riley has always been focused on winning, and that's what's been awesome as a Heat fan, but we went through some pretty bad years uh, recently. Um, the last time before this, we were in the playoffs was my sophomore year in college. And prior to that, uh, we had some pretty abysmal rosters and, you know, it was just the fallout from having Bosch, Wade and Braun. And, you know, it just, it takes time, you know, when LeBron leaves town, when Chris Bosch gets injured like that and Wade, uh, and Pat Riley have a dispute. I mean, it, it puts your uh, franchise back, uh, you know, almost half a decade and, it's been awesome to see what we're building towards with draft picks, undrafted free agents, um, guys coming up like that that are huge. And yeah, the future is bright, but I will tell you this right now, there's no chance in hell that Pat Riley isn't sitting there already trying to figure out how next year we're going to get back and how next year we're actually going to win it. And it might sound harsh to say this, but he knows that we're probably not going to win it with this roster. Right. And Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to form an exciting but very dysfunctional team in Brooklyn, I believe. Uh, but they'll be good enough just off of those two guys, as long as they remain healthy, to get very far in the playoffs, if not to go to the finals. So um, I would tell you this. I don't know if the Heat are going to go for Oladipo or Bradley Beal, although I know both of those guys would for sure welcome a move to the Miami Heat as they've got – um, I know Oladipo's got good relations with the Miami Heat after we swept the Pacers. He spent some time afterward, not even to go to the locker room to be with his teammates, but to talk with the Miami Heat. Um, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, those guys are good recruiters, I can tell. Uh, and a lot of players want to play with them. And I already saw an update about NBA execs um, saying the Miami Heat will definitely be the most attractive destination for free agents going forward. Um, so we're back. We're back to being 
the Showtime Miami Heat, and I love the team basketball, and I love the brand, and we for sure overachieved. I mean, we were a fifth seed going to the playoffs. We probably should have been a fourth seed, but we were a fifth seed, and we made it all the way here. We knocked out Giannis, um, and I don't know. I mean, apart from that, I mean, I think the Heat, I don't know if the Heat are going to go for an old depot or a, or a Beal anymore because of the emergence of Tyler Hero, but I will say that I think that the Miami Heat should probably target a rim-protecting center um that has a bit more physical uh uh presence down low uh because anthony davis down low and dwight howard just chewed us apart and um if they want to compete with uh teams like that they're going to need a center that is a bit more uh physical than myers leonard and kelly olenic uh other than that i mean hats off to the lakers and lebron felt like this was going to happen and just for the heat just very proud very proud of them Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not much of a basketball guy. I think CJ hit, I think every freaking corner there. So, uh, but I mean, they were fun to watch. I mean, to say the least, I, I didn't, I didn't see the Heat uh, going to the final. Um, I thought Boston was gonna, was gonna uh, take them in seven um, previous series, but they got some good young talent. Bam, uh, Tyler Harrow, he was fun to watch. I mean, that guy is a stud. Uh, give him a couple more years, and he's just gonna be, he's gonna be a superstar. So. Um, that he already is now, but Jimmy Butler's for real, like Jacob said, and uh, ultimately they they ran to the wrong team at the end. I mean, the Lakers were just from top to bottom just unreal. The, the first couple of games it was I think it was overwhelming for the Heat, um, but they found a way to fight and they pushed six games. And I didn't watch any of Game Six, but I was scoreboard watching. Um, it was just disappointing to see that that the final game it wasn't as competitive as they, I think people would have thought, but. Um, CJ said they're back. They get a couple more pieces, Oladipo, whoever it is. Jacob mentioned you know, Giannis the next year could be a possibility, but people want to go there now. They're right there. They need one, a couple pieces to get over the hump, and it's exciting to be a Miami Heat fan if, if you're down there in South Florida and they're finally back to winning basketball. So it's, it's good for them, great accomplishment in winning the East, and ultimately you lost to a team that was just stacked and nothing you can do there. So. Uh, congrats to the Heat and the Lakers for uh, getting it done. 100%. And uh, listen, I, I've been very critical of LeBron James, and I'm still going to be. I got to say, I'm not impressed by this finals per performance. I know he won the finals MVP. This is a team that sh they should have beat in less than six games. I know I said that if the Lakers won the series, it would be in six games. They still should have won it in sooner amount of time. The Heat were dealing with injuries for some games. They beat the crap out of them in the last game. That should have been more of a pattern before that. And, and this is no offense to the Heat. This is just LeBron James and Anthony Davis are better than any two players on the Miami Heat roster. They should have went through that series in four or five. I'm sorry, and I'm not impressed with LeBron James whatsoever. I'm not really impressed. Everyone's like, oh, this makes him closest to the GOAT that he ever has been. How is four and six closer to the GOAT than it ever has been? This is an asterisk championship. He got four or five months off after an 82-game regular season to fully rest before getting here with no crowds, didn't have to face Kawhi, did not have to face Giannis, didn't have to face Luka. I'm sorry. He didn't really go through much. I'm sorry. It just isn't that impressive. LeBron James is not closer to the GOAT in any way in my estimation. I saw a picture the other day, the Cleveland ring. Very big uh, contribution to that was Kyrie Irving, won him some games. 
Why do he win one of the championships with the Heat? Ray Allen, one of the seasons with the Heat, it was a strike season. So there's always been stuff in his championship years that's been concerning. He went one and three against the Warriors. Stop telling me that he is better than Michael Jordan. He was six and no. Don't give me the, co- the, the competition argument. Michael Jordan faced Hall of Fame basketball players in multiple NBA finals. Watch the last dance. And I know when Adiel comes on, he'll be saying the same thing, but to like a hundred times the degree of me, uh, he's a total Michael Jordan guy, but I'm not impressed by Le- Le- LeBron James whatsoever. I'm sorry. Look, here's the thing. Um, I've got, I have a counter argument to this. First of all, let's start here. It's not LeBron's fault who he plays. It's it his would, fault who I, he loses to. On, on Twitter in the media are saying he dodged the late the Clippers. He didn't dodge the Clippers. The Clippers just couldn't win to play him. And and he hand he handed the Rockets and the and Russell, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, who are regardless of horrendous coaching, are a good basketball team. They are good. And they handily beat them in five. The Nuggets are a very good basketball team. And if they were in the East, I could very well see be in the finals. He beat them in five, right? Um, and then they they beat the Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard and CJ. Uh, oh come on! I mean, really, five. the port that Portland team. I'm just what what I'm telling you is is it's not his fault who he plays. He plays who they put in front of him, and he beats who's in front of him. And here's the thing. My second – there's two points to this. That was the first point. He can't control who he plays, okay? Nor can the media. It is who it is. It's a crazy league. Other teams win. But here's the other thing that you got to realize. This LeBron James supporting cast, it, it, it was never more apparent to me that if you took LeBron off this team, that this is the Anthony Davis New Orleans Pelicans over again. That's what they are. They are horrendous basketball team. If you take LeBron off that team, they are not good. They are, they are fringe playoffs. That's how bad his supporting cast is. People like to hype up Caruso online. Dude, the guy's nothing more than a role player that, that is a little shifty out there and, and can make a couple, you know, wow plays, but not in clutch, right? Danny Green is a shell of his former self. Markeith Morris looks lost out there. Kyle Kuzma, I don't even know what footwork he has, and I don't know how he made it to the NBA like that. Nice He's dogs. not good. I'm telling you, Dion Waiters has a – I saw this tweet uh, on Twitter. Dion Waiters has a ring – for eating an edible on a Miami Heat airplane. Jesus Christ. That's how good LeBron James is. <laughs> People don't realize it. Like like LeBron James in that game that the Heat won to, to push it to a game six had in the 40s of points, he had 13 boards. And like okay, nice I'm not steps. saying he's not and a great I'm player. Saying, I'm not saying, again. People are saying, you know, it's not impressive. And and I was very critical of LeBron in this series, not because of the scoring, but because of the constant fouls he was arguing for. But where, what I don't understand is, is he gets it done. And he, if you take him off the team, they're not a playoff team. And if you take him off the team, if they're even a playoff team, they don't win a round. Well, of course. I mean, that, of course. I mean, of course, that's true. I mean, if you took Michael Jordan off the Bulls, he's, you know, they're not a playoff team, but, or maybe. No, false. Yeah. Are you I will get into it. Dude, Scotty Pippen and Dennis Robin can get to get the playoffs and, and Phil Jackson, guaranteed. Okay. Yeah, as an eight seed, I'm not talking about the trophy. 
Obviously, I'm not saying they won the trophy. And, and hey, did, did the Pelicans not make the playoffs year in and year out? They might have got bounced after one round. I think that's what the Bills, the Bulls would have been a one round, two round exit every year. On the last dance, the when when Michael Jordan left Chicago Bulls, right they made it to the playoffs, and I'm pretty sure they made it to round two. And then oh, they I know, lost. but just Anthony well, no, Davis but made not, it to the playoffs to, with the Pelicans a few times, like a, a LeBron Michael Jordan debate. What I'm saying is, is I don't really agree with the notion that it's not really as impressive when he beat who he needed to beat. Okay, yes. And then on top of that, his supporting cast was awful, like like horrible. <laughs> this was another example of LeBron James and a Kyrie Irving. Uh, this is obviously LeBron and AD, but it was LeBron and AD against the Miami Heat. Yeah, that no, I mean, good. again, the, the, the point I was trying to make with him not having to face those guys wasn't that he got, you know, that if he would have faced them, he would have necessarily lost. I'm just saying he didn't face any players at their talent level anywhere except for maybe Jokic or maybe Dame and, and, and James Harden and Russell. They're not at the level of Giannis. They're not at the level of Kawhi Leonard. So those guys are at the tip of the top. I'm just saying what would have happened if maybe he played those high caliber guys. He still played all-star players, just not upper echelon guys like Kawhi Leonard, which by the way, maybe even Kawhi's not upper echelon anymore because that was a terrible performance against the, uh, against the Nuggets. So again, no, I'm not trying to say that, oh, he got cheated. You know, the NBA got cheated. He got to face easy team, not by any stretch. Just saying, if he had played those guys, what would have happened? We, you know, we just don't know. That's what happens in sports. He beat the teams that he beat. You're right. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, trying to compare him to Michael Jordan, I think that's a stretch. That, that was the only point I'm trying to make because four and six and six and oh is a lot different, especially when you could look at many of those championships. LeBron should have beat Dallas, uh, should have beat the Spurs probably both times. So I, I would, you know, there's things you could debate about LeBron. We get into an hour-long argument about that, but uh, that's our talk about the NBA Finals today. So there were some NHL free agent signings. We had a few big ones. Alex Petrangelo going to the Vegas Golden Knights. That was a huge signing, seven years, $8.8 million a year. I think that was a bit of an overpay, uh, but I think Vegas is looking at it and saying, uh, well, we've been really close to a Stanley Cup championship the last few years. We feel like Petrangelo can be that final piece for us. I feel like that's what it is. So they're feeling like we'll eat the money for four and five years. If we can get a cup, it works out. That back end, we'll just live with that deal. That's what I feel like that is. So that's, do you guys like the Petrangelo move for Vegas? I mean, I like the move for them. They adds a depth player on defense, but I don't know. I, I think the problem that Vegas had when they got bounced by, who was it, Dallas? They couldn't put the puck in the net. So yeah, you can add an old older defenseman that that has proven success with St. Louis, and he was solid in their cup run. He can move the puck. He's a guy who could score from the blue line. But I really think if you're Vegas, you got to look at more depth guys on your third and fourth line that can put the puck in the back of the net. Because obviously, guys like Carlson, he traded away Schmidt. I'm trying to think of uh, Stone up front and uh, Alex Tuck. Those guys were monsters in the first couple of rounds, but then they went ghost. So you look at teams that make runs and you want to get to that final couple of rounds to win it. You need guys on the third and fourth line that put the puck in the net. Consi not consistently, but you're they're there for your guys when they're not you're, you're superstars. So I like the signing. It will bolster their blue line, but that's not everything for Vegas. Uh, I think they need some more scoring on their third and fourth lines for sure. Uh, I believe that the 
signing of Petrangelo to the Knights is very nice. They paid him pretty decent money. And I find I kind of find this to be a little um, Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder-esque with the Miami Heat. They got these guys to for, for a reason. Now, obviously, he upgrades your back end. Petrangelo upgrades basically every team's back end if you if you insert him into your lineup, right? I do believe that they got they bolstered their defense with a very big name signing because they believe that they're going to be playing a Colorado Avalanche next year in the playoffs, whether it be round two, round three. That's why I believe that they're getting Petrangelo almost for that series and to contend against these high-scoring West Coast offenses. So I, I like it. Um, I think the Panthers had a nice uh, free agency day, too. Uh, they added a lot of high-energy physical players, and I like that a lot. So overall, NHL free agency wasn't crazy uh, interesting, but um, other than that, Taylor Hall went to the Sabres, and I think that that's a good, great pickup for them. Yeah, Krug went to the Blues too. That's a pretty that he's replacing Petrangelo, and uh, we're going to do strictly hockey in a few days. Uh, CJ, you're welcome to come on, of course, for that one. We'll talk about NHL free agency, uh, and that'll be released in a few days. You can get a lot more. Obviously, uh, I, I we uploaded strictly baseball this morning, and Steve gave me my uh, my uh, punishment for the Yankees losing in the beginning. So make sure to go check that out. It was a great start to the pod. Uh, but yeah, Yankees lost. And I'll have to address it on this show too. Yes, they fell flat on their face. Should have won. Kudos to the Rays. Rays-Astros is very interesting. Steve and I both think the Rays will probably beat out the Astros for the series. Uh, and then in the Dodgers series, we're kind of leaning Atlanta because Kershaw, and this just came in too, Steve, by the way, he might be able to pitch game four or five, but he's delayed game two. So that could really impact the series. And we've said if the Dodgers can't keep going, you know, you got to make some organizational changes at that point. So many chances since 2011, all these players cycled through. But again, you could listen to that on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's called Strictly Baseball, Strictly Hockey on all three of those as well. I'll be uploading Strictly Yankees in a few days. That's on all three platforms, Strictly Rangers as well. And of course, this pod is on all three. I know it's a lot, but uh, we're really trying to do some good stuff here with Strictly Sports Productions. You can follow us on Twitter at Strictly Sports P. Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Productions. And if you're interested in joining FAU Owl Radio, you can come hit me up on Twitter. I just gave the usernames. Uh, I'm the sports director at FAU Owl Radio. We're always looking for new talent, new people to uh, call games. So if you're interested, please let us know. And also check into the SBA, the Sports Business Administration. We have a relationship now with FAU Owl Radio where we're working together to uh, create more opportunities for FAU students. So make sure to, uh, to check SBA out. They're a great organization over at FAU. So for our FAU people, for everyone else listening, that is it for this episode of Strictly Sports. For Steve Cashin, for CJ Uri, I am Jacob Brown, and we will see you next week.